Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Uh, and so here we are. It's September um, in the year 2020, which we'll pretend never happened. Um, and we'll move on to 2021. And uh, no, 2020 has been a very significant year. It has been a very, very significant year. It is a year that we will forever remember as unleashing everything and making us assess all the important and non-important things, recognizing God in deeper ways and deeper realms. And so, as you know, over the last few weeks, um, I've been sharing just little nuggets in my introductions of what I've been writing on my mirror. And one of the things that God spoke to me a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, was this one statement, that self-pity is a thief. Self-pity is a thief. I want to tell you, church, and as I speak this, I'm actually trying to cut through the spirit realm, that we are a victorious people. I want to tell you that we are overcomers. I want to tell you we are not victims. I want to tell you that you are, God is over and above, exceedingly over and above, and that he's given you authority. We are not victims. But do you know what? As long as what we're going through, as long as our season is someone else's fault, we will never win. As long as we shirk the responsibility to rise up above it, we'll never win in the midst of it. And fear is a thief, and self-pity is a thief. We actually are a people who overcome. I want to tell you that self-pity and entitlement are evil cousins. We have to be very, very vigilant to remember who we are in Christ. We are overcomers, and we are victorious. And I'm not negating the reality of our circumstances, but I'm saying we are victorious and we're overcomers and we are children of the Most High God. You and I are no longer paupers, we're royalty. We have to remember that and we have to live in that space. And so we're in this season right now that we are in a war and we've been talking about waging war and being on the front line. It's a spiritual battle that we're in, but we are on the front foot and we're on the offensive. And a few weeks ago, I spoke about the weapon of worship. And this morning, Sam talked about praise power. And I didn't know that he was going to share on that, but it's like God is equipping us with armory and weaponry for this fight that we're in because actually the safest place in the kingdom of God is on the front line. And so in the midst of a spiritual battle, we put on our armor and we pick up our weapons. And so our heart has been to equip you and to equip the church with weaponry for this day that we're in because we are a victorious people. We're a victorious people. And so this morning, I want to share on the power of prayer, the power of prayer. And in worship, I just got this little nugget that I quickly jotted into my notes, it's this, that the enemy fears a praying people. The enemy fears a praying people, not a people who are praying prayers begging God, but a people who are praying declarative prayers, 
The enemy is afraid of a declaring, praying people. People who release the authority of heaven into the atmosphere. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer activates, listen, prayer activates the heavens. Prayer changes things. Are you with me this morning? Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Be anxious for nothing in Jesus' name, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So this morning, seven points activating the power of prayer in our lives. And the first one is a recap from two weeks ago on the weapon of worship. The first one is, as I lay the foundation, is you need to know your authority. You need to know your authority. If you're going to go to prayer, you need to know your authority. So recapping from a fortnight ago. In the garden, when God made Adam and Eve, he said to them, I I give you dominion. So God of all of creation makes man and woman in his own image. And then he says, I'm giving you the dominion and authority I have. I'm giving it to you. So while God is still sovereign, he has given us the authority in this realm. In the realm of this existence, he's given it to us. And then we handed that authority over to the enemy when we fell in the garden in sin. We handed over the authority that we had, we surrendered it to the enemy. And then we fast forward to the cross of Jesus, the cross and resurrection, and we see Jesus buy back that authority that we had given away. Now just think about this for a moment. God has said, I've created the heavens and the earth, I've created man and woman, and I've given them dominion, which means they have authority in this earth. Which means that God, if you look through scripture, everything that he did in the earth, in history past, he had to do in partnership with man. Because man has authority in this space. So God wanted to deliver the Israelites he had to call a guy named Moses because man has authority. Moses was the guy for the hour that would partner with God. So now think about salvation. Even salvation itself had to be delivered to us by a man because man has authority in this realm. So God puts flesh on and becomes a man so that he can operate in the authority of this realm. So then Jesus says to us in Luke chapter 10, look, I have given you authority over how much? Over all the power of the enemy. That nothing will harm you. I've given you all authority. So now when we come in prayer, we need to know that the word of God is sovereign and the will of God is sovereign. So when I come into prayer and I understand my authority in this realm and I speak the word of God, that's why I'm saying the enemy's afraid of a declaring people, not a begging God if you feel like it, but no, your word says. 
and this is your intention, I am activating my authority and ushering in the will of God into this realm. Your words are not empty. God created everything we see with a word. The primary function of, com of language is not communication, it's creation. So what you say creates, now think about that. What you say creates, you have authority in this dominion, and when you speak out the word of God, you are literally activating the will of God in your situation. You must know your authority. Your words are not empty. Jesus said to us when his disciples asked him how to pray, he said, we'll pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm activating my authority in bringing the will of God into the earth. So anything in the earth that doesn't exist in heaven, you have authority to deal with. Because earth is meant to be an expression of heaven anywhere that the men and women of God go. And so we release heaven. We say, as you are in heaven, as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. You've got to know your authority. Number two, you have to access the right solutions. All right, some of the best teaching I'm about to share with you, I've totally borrowed from Chris Vallotton. You've got to access the right solutions. Now, this is going to be a little bit of teaching for some of us. Okay, so did you know there are three heavens? Three heavens. First heaven, second heaven, third heaven. When it says that God created the heavens and the earth, we're talking about the first heaven that you and I are born into. That is this realm. And Paul said, I knew a man who went to the third heavens, which is heaven, heaven. So we've got the first heaven and the third heaven. And so when, when we hear that Jesus, you know, says to us, uh, sorry, Paul says to us in Ephesians 2 verse 6, that we're raised up together with Christ in heavenly places, he's speaking now that you and I may be functioning in the first heaven, but we're seated in authority in the third heaven and releasing the realities of the third heaven into the first heaven. So what we... There's also, a, by assumption then, a second heaven. Are you still tracking with me? And so, the scripture that tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. First heaven is flesh and blood. What we see, what we can touch, what we can see with our eyes and experience with the physical. We don't wrestle with that. We wrestle with principalities and powers and the rulers of this dark age, the second heaven. Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Yeah. So, Chris Vallotton says this, you can't solve a first heaven problem with a first heaven solution. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you can't solve these problems in this life with this heaven solution. So what do you do? Well, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I now go to the third heaven and draw down third heaven solutions. So I've got to access the right solutions. 
So you need to be able to recognize that what we're functioning in here is not the real deal. And then when you understand your authority and where you're seated in heavenly places, I'm not down here begging God, I'm up here releasing God. And so I'm now accessing the right solutions. Engaging in the right space. Don't engage here. Have you heard the statement? You're never going to soar with eagles if you keep scratching around with chooks. You've got to go higher. You've got to go higher and access the right solutions and engage in the right space. Number three about prayer. Engage, uh, sorry, be responsive to the burden, the burden of prayer. I don't know whether you've ever experienced this strange burden that comes on you and you feel like it's a spirit call. The burden to pray. The burden, and it sometimes can just come out of nowhere. You might think of someone, or you might wake up at night, and you just have this burden. I want to encourage you, because the enemy is afraid of a praying church, to be responsive to the burden. When that comes, be obedient to it. Because, think of the second heaven... All right, there's angels and there's demons fighting in a realm we don't see with, the, with the, our spiritual eyes. Imagine the angels going, I need someone to pray. Imagine the spirit realm activating men and women of God to pray. That's called the burden to prayer. I remember a few uh, years ago, probably about four years ago now, I have so many stories like this as I was writing. I'm like, which one do I pick? So four years ago, I was awoken at literally, like, I can't remember the exact time right now, but just say it was quarter past 1 a.m. And I just felt so strongly to pray for this particular young couple who were pregnant. And the next day, I rang them, and I couldn't get through. And a few hours later, they got back to me and said that they had gone into labor prematurely at quarter past 1 a.m., And I had awoken with the burden to pray. And I did. I was obedient to that. And you know, sometimes you think you're crazy. You're like, oh, stop it. Why are you thinking about that? Go back to sleep. I want to encourage you. The enemy is afraid of a praying people. Follow the burden to prayer. A few months ago, our beautiful friends, Brittany and Mitch, who seem to be the superstars today, um, Brittany was telling me this story at Life Group a few weeks after it happened that one night... They were getting into bed, and they just felt this burden to pray. Now, Brittany and Mitch are reasonably new to their journey in Christ. And so they're like, is this what a burden to pray feels like? So they literally got down on either side of their bed in their bedroom and just started praying. And before they knew it, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And the burden lifted, just like that. And as they were getting into bed, Brittany felt that she heard the Spirit say, I just wanted your time. Be responsive to the burden. Be responsive to the burden. Um, because it's a very real, real thing. And, um, and when we, I feel like the Spirit, I, I once heard Pastor Vic say, you know, sometimes he feels like that the Holy Spirit's just waiting on the end of his bed, waiting for him to wake up. It's like that in God being in that kind of communion. And sometimes he's not just waiting, sometimes he's waking you up, going, it's time, let's go, let's pray, let's fight. And then the burden lifts. And when it lifts, you can have some sleep. (laughs) Number four, okay, activate the blessing. Activate the blessing. 
Kerry Kirkwood, in his book, The Power of Blessing, talks about the power of blessing. And the, one of the main concepts that I got out of it was this. When you release blessing, you activate the will of God. Think about it. God will not bless anything outside his will. So when I release blessing, I'm actually releasing the will of God. And so I want to talk about this in light of our enemies. Matthew 5 says this, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, who makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So I know right now, as soon as I've said this, you are thinking of that person. You're thinking of that person. And let me just impart something right now of the Spirit. There is nothing more appropriate. There is nothing more fitting. There is nothing more natural for a Spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ than to bless someone who is persecuting them. There is nothing more fitting for a spirit-filled believer than to bless someone who's cursing them. It is hard to do as long as we're in the mind of the flesh. It's an easy thing to do we're in the mind of Christ. And when we're in the mind of Christ, now just think about it. Just imagine that person operating in the will of God for their lives. How much better would your world be? Imagine that person having an unlocked will of God operating in their lives that they're now functioning in. The moment you pray blessing over them, you are ushering in the will of God. And so the best thing you can do for your enemies and for your situation is bless them. To bless them is to release God's will over their lives. Think about that person who's gossiping about you, who's gaining an audience and spreading lies about you. Don't engage at that level, not at the first heaven, because you're not wrestling with the person. You're wrestling with the spirit behind what's going on. Pull down the right solution, and the right solution is the will of God over their lives. The right solution is blessing. When you can come to a place and you're hurt when someone's persecuting you, withholding promotion at work, spreading rumors and lies about you, tarnishing your reputation to people you know and love. When you can come into the presence of God and bless them, Lord, I bless them. I ask for your blessing over their lives. I pray for a release of your will over them. Father, I open the heavens over their lives. Just imagine, just imagine then what's happening in the spirit realm. Lord, I pray for revelation in their lives. Lord, I pray for great favor in their lives. Lord, I pray for abundance. Lord, I pray that your will is manifest in their lives. It's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool tool to release and activate blessing over someone's life. All right, number five, just to know the types of prayer. There are many types of prayer. Adoration, which is where we just praise God for how awesome he is. 
It's a good thing to do for your soul. Sam talked about it this morning. It's, a, it's an aspect of praise. God, you're just really awesome. And that's adoration. Thanksgiving is specifically thanking God for the blessings in your life. You know, make that a discipline. God, I thank you for A, B, C, and D, and name it a prayer of thanksgiving. Petition or supplication is when we ask God for specific things. We declare his will over specific things. Example, healing, provision, those sorts of things. Confession, when we own up to something and we ask God's mercy for it. You know what? Daily reflection is a really good way to do this. At the end of every day, sit down with yourself and go, God, where did I fall short? Lord, and I actually repent for those moments. And a prayer that I often then pray is, if you see it fitting, please present me with an opportunity to rectify that. It's amazing how many times I'm faced the next day or a couple of days later with an opportunity to rectify it. It's releasing the heavenly solutions in your life. Intercession, all right, is like um, uh, petition and supplication except on behalf of someone else. So intercession is when you're praying for specific things for somebody else. And so, um, Shay, have you started Walk and Pray again yet? Yes, so, so Shay's got a group of friends who meet regularly and, and pray, um, and I encourage you to do that, like early in the morning, in the afternoon, however, walking and praying. Um, Pastor Jeanette Smith, will sometimes come here and walk the parameter of the, um, of the property and pray. This is intercession. Um, Evangeline and Jeanette and I and Sam will sometimes get together. Well, actually, every week we get together here in a small group and we pray and we intercede. Intercession. Then you've got corporate prayer where believers, believers gather together. That's the remnant room right? Once a month on a Tuesday, it's what we do every Sunday in the transition when we pray for the prayer requests, is that corporate gathering together and that corporate declaration. Then you've got private prayer, which is where what no one sees, and, and, and Jesus actually talks about that in Matthew 6, a really powerful, powerful passage of scripture about not doing anything to be seen by man, because God who sees in secret rewards openly. Praying in the spirit or praying in tongues, you know, the, the scripture tells us that sometimes, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there when you just actually don't know what to pray. And praying in tongues is a spiritual language where the spirit is actually speaking for us. And so praying in tongues is a very powerful thing to do. Then there's the prayer of dedication, and we see Hannah dedicating Samuel. We see Jesus committing himself at Gethsemane. And, and that's the prayer that, I don't know, I used to do like every week in youth ministry. I reckon we need to bring it back, that prayer that goes, send me God. Send me. I'm kind of thinking that maybe the reason the generation is in the state it's in is because we're going, help me, instead of send me. When you're being sent and you're living on cause, you really don't have a whole lot of time to worry about. Anyway. <laughs> Undergirding all that is James 5, the prayer of faith. Every prayer should be a prayer of faith. Let me read it to you. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. The prayer of faith. God moves in response to faith. Number six, pray until... I want to tell you, we don't just pray once or twice. 
We pray until. We pray until. For some of us, that might be a week. For some of us, it may be 20 years. But we pray until. And I want to tell you, don't dial down your confession depending on your experience. You're not trying to bring the word of God down to your experience. You're trying to bring your experience up to the word of God. And the hard thing is, is it's easy to stand on day one. It's easy to stand on day two. Even, even, you know, seven days in. But try four years later. Try ten years later. When the enemy is relentlessly trying to wear you down, we need to pray until. And I want to tell you why. If you read the book of Daniel, which you all should because it's amazing. In the book of Daniel, we see two occasions where this man of God is praying and interceding for the nation. In Daniel chapter 9, he's praying and fasting, and immediately Gabriel turns up. We talked in um, a couple of weeks ago about all the different angels. So Gabriel's the messenger angel, and like literally Daniel's still in the posture of prayer, and Gabriel's there immediately, and he gives Daniel his answer. And then the next chapter, Daniel's in another situation, and he's praying for the nation again, and he's praying, except this time weeks passed before Gabriel finally gets to him. And I want to read it to you in Daniel chapter 10. Then he said to Daniel, don't be afraid. Listen to this. For since the day, the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. Please, church, hear me. Since the first moment you prayed, your request was heard and actioned. Please hear me. Since the first moment you prayed, your prayer was heard and actioned. Since the first moment you prayed, your prayer was heard and it was actioned in heaven. The, The heavens are not made of brass. God is not, you know, running out of miracles. He's not holding out on you. All right, since the first moment it was heard and I came to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Second heaven. Second heaven. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. For 21 days, I... Gabriel, who was bringing your message to you, who was bringing you your answer, I was engaged in a war. A war you can't see, a war you don't know about. I was engaged. I was trying to get to you. Then Michael, one of the other archangels, had to come and help me. In fact, I left him there. He's still there fighting. And now I'm here to bring you your answer. Come on. You pray until. You pray until. Let's not be so short-sighted in this first heaven that we give up hope, that we give up the weapon of prayer because prayer actions the heavens. Prayer changes things. Prayer releases covering. Prayer shifts things because you and I have authority. You and I have dominion, persevering prayer, don't quit. One of the other phrases that the Spirit has dropped in my life recently has been resist the resistance. 
Resist the resistance. Do you know what longevity is? Just outlasting everyone else. That's what longevity is. Just outlast everyone. I've made a decision. I'm just going to outlast everybody. No matter what comes against me, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to keep declaring. I'm not going to be shaken. I don't care what I can see here. I'm going to speak the word of God. I'm going to act in integrity. I'm going to stand. Don't quit. Luke 18, Jesus said, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? God will avenge the ones who cry out day and night. In Romans, let us be these people rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continuing steadfastly in prayer. Don't quit. Pray until. Pray until. And number seven, practically, now we actually have to employ the weapon of prayer. We pick it up and we employ that weapon of prayer in our generation, in our circumstances, in the call of God on our lives. Jesus prayed. I reckon if Jesus needed to pray, like the Son of God says he withdrew often to quiet places to pray. It wasn't just the one time in the wilderness before his ministry started. It's not like he fueled up one time. He withdrew often to pray. Jesus. Jesus. We need to pray. It's a discipline. Pray the word. If you don't know how to pray, get a Bible with a concordance in the back or just type into Google scriptures on healing and then pray them all out in first person out loud. Scriptures on salvation because I'm believing for my unsaved child. Pray them out loud in first person often. Scriptures on provision out loud, in first person, often. Many of you may have heard the story when I had that negative doctor's report over my first unborn baby. And not knowing what to do, I marched myself into Tina McChrystal's office. You'll be happy to know Tina is actually speaking at C Masterclass. And um, she sat with me and she handed me two pages of scriptures on children and childbearing and childbirth. And it was like going to a doctor and getting a script of medicine. Do this twice a day in first person out loud. And I did. And I did it through tears and fear. Until my spirit, I built my spirit to a point where I actually believed what I was saying. Pray out loud. Pray the word. Start a prayer journal. I've got a prayer journal. I write down my petitions, what I'm believing for. Some of it's for you, some of it's for me, some of it's for Scott Morrison. (laughs) I have a prayer journal. And it's beautiful because it's like a chronicle of the goodness of God. Because I routinely go back and go tick, tick, tick. And I plan on giving these to my children. A monument 
to the goodness of God, the remnant room, praying in tongues every morning. Some of you have heard me say that the first thing I do when I get out of bed is pray in tongues for five or ten minutes before anything else comes out of my mouth, right? If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Before I do or say anything else, praying in tongues for five or ten minutes, when I started to do this, I noticed a huge change in the trajectory of my day, the power in my day, the alertness I had in my day, the obedience I had in my day. Just five or ten minutes praying in the Spirit, building that up before anything else, before anything else. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.